So lockdowns, mandates, the CDC, things we are all sick and tired of hearing about. Uh, boy, have they divided us as uh, families, as friends, fellow citizens, and they cause division and strife among Christians. We know what the scripture says. It says we are to submit to the government, to the, to the rulers over us. But how does that work in a democracy? Those texts were written at a time when there was an emperor, there was a king in Israel, uh, Rome, but we live in a very different type of government. How do we apply these things? We're going to talk about that to, today on the, uh, on the Bible study as we continue our study of Ecclesiastes. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, my name is Doug. I'm the president of Cross to Crown Ministries and New Covenant School of Theology. And we do these daily Bible studies, Monday through Friday, just walking through the scripture so that our minds can be renewed, so that we are not conformed to this world. We know there's a, a lot of voices trying to make us uh, walk a direction that God would not approve of, and we want to be solid and transformed. So we study the Word of God. So good morning. Welcome, everybody. Uh, hello, Jenny. Glad you're with us. Uh, Carol, good morning. Uh, Chris and Jenny Foshi, hello. Good to, good to hear from you all. Uh, Annalisa. Oh, you, did you get your own account on Elisa? Is that a, is that a different, it seems like it's Anna Trevor in the past. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Tim. Hey, everybody. Glad you are with us. Uh, well, I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to plug our uh, upcoming seminary class. I told you all week I was going to pester you with this. Uh, and it already worked. I already uh, coerced one person into signing up uh, from these morning studies. Uh, so starting next Monday evening, 5.30 to 8.30 Mountain Time, we do Monday and Tuesday nights for four weeks. It's the next seminary class at the New Covenant School of Theology, and we're studying Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, and Jude. Yeah, we really are covering all of those books in just four weeks. That sounds like a lot, and you may think, man, that's just overwhelming. No, you can do this. Uh, it's wonderful to walk through. So you can audit the classes. Uh, and uh, or you can start working on a degree, a, a Master of Divinity uh, or a, a Certificate of Biblical Theology. Anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, go to newcovenantschoolofthealogy.org uh, new to apply and sign up if you're interested, and I think you will find the time is really rewarding. All right, well, with that commercial out of the way, let us get started the right way as we always do. Uh, today is a good day. Today really is a good day. I don't know what your circumstances are. I know some of you are going through hard things and some of you are just enjoying God's blessing right now. Either way, it's a good day. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is taking care of you, that he's in control, that he died for your sins? If, if all those things are true, and they are, then it's a good day. So, Let's get ourselves in the right frame of mind to begin this day. So I'll say my part, and then you say yours, and say it loud enough that somebody else can hear it. You ready? Today is the day the Lord has made. Oh yeah, I think I heard somebody say it. Let's drink our coffee and the taste that the Lord is good. Ah, he is good, isn't he? All right, so continuing on with Ecclesiastes, and uh, first... Uh, and, and today, uh, we're covering chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. First, we see uh, this verse 1 of chapter 8, which I think is uh, just just wonderful. Oops. There we go. Uh, he says in verse 1, Who is like the wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a matter? Uh, 
A wise man illumines him and causes his, I'm sorry, a, a man's wisdom illumines him and causes his stern face to beam. So Solomon here is just making a comment at the beginning of this section saying that uh, a wise man knows how to to find solutions to problems, to, to interpret the matter as he has been walking us through this so far in Ecclesiastes. We're learning how to see the world. We're learning how to not uh, give into extremes. Uh, on the one hand, pursuing wisdom is a good good thing and it helps us live better. On another hand, um, we can think we're in control when we're really not. And God is in control. And so knowing that frees us to enjoy life. That's a comment he's made over and over again. And here he says, a man's wisdom illumines his face. If you are a wise person, Solomon says, this is going to affect how you look, how other people uh, see you and interpret you. Think about the great wise men of uh, some of the literature, for instance. Uh, are you a Lord of the Rings fan? Uh, do you like the book? Do you like the movies? I like both. I actually think they did a pretty good job uh, with the movies. I'm typically pretty skeptical when I see a great book that has been turned into a movie. Uh, don't get me started on Narnia. I think they've, every step of the way, have ruined the Narnia series. Uh, Peter Jackson, I wish he would take on the Narnia series like he did Lord of the Rings, because I think he did pretty well. I know there's some some other folks that disagree with me, but think about the wise man in uh, in the Lord of the Rings. It's Gandalf, and everybody loves him, and and his face shines, and and the screen sort of lights up when he shows up. The characters light up. They they depend on him. They trust in him. They they find security in him. That's what a wise man does. If you think to Star Wars, Obi Wan, right? He was the wise sage that there's some comfort and and hope and even respect from his enemies because of his wisdom. That's the kind of thing that Solomon's saying here is a man's wisdom illumines him and uh, his face beams. So if you're wise, expect people to appreciate that and to see something in you uh, that that gives them some comfort. Then verse two, I'm going to read the rest of the section, then kind of comment along the way, and then we'll uh, turn quickly to application and I'll explain why when we get there. So verse two, I say, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave him, that is the king. Do not join in an evil matter against the king. For he, the king, will do whatever he pleases. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps a royal command, that is a command from the king, experiences no trouble for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though a man's trouble is heavy upon him. If no one knows what will happen, who can tell him when it will happen? No man has the authority to restrain the wind with the wind or authority over the day of death and there is no discharge in the time of war, and evil will not deliver him who practices it. All right, so uh, the metaphors, the illustrations, they get a little bit uh, little bit strange for us along the way, and it's, at first glance, a little bit difficult to see what Solomon's getting at. Here's what I think he's doing. I think he's talking to someone who has the king's ear. I think he's talking to someone who is maybe in the court, an advisor, or um, someone close to the king. 
and he's explaining to him, this is, this is how you should act. This is how you should uh, respond to the king. Keep his command. You made an oath before God to submit to the king, and you should do so. And don't be quick to resist him, right? That's what he says. Uh, verse 5, let me go back and show you here. Verse 5, uh, he who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble. For a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. There is a proper time and procedure for every delight. Now that word jumps out kind of funny. Uh, what's he talking about delight here? Some translations translate it purpose, the, the things you want. There is a proper time and, and procedure. Uh, judgment is the Hebrew word uh, for every, everything that would delight you if you were in the presence of the king. Uh, though, though you're a man's tr- trouble is heavy upon him. You see here at the end of verse six. Uh, so you're there in the King's court and you're thinking, I don't like the decisions that the King is making. Should I rebel? Should I, should I break his command? Should I jump in with those who want to resist? That's back up here in verse three. Do not be in a hurry to leave him, the King. Uh, don't join in an evil matter with, when someone is rebelling against the King. Don't jump in there with him. Uh, Verse 7, no one knows what will happen. Who can tell him? You don't know how the outcome of this is going to be. The king has his purposes. Uh, You don't know exactly how this is going to play out. Verse 8 is interesting. No man has authority to restrain the wind with the wind. I think he's saying you don't have the power um, to control the the wind or the spirit of the king. It's the the word that it's wind, spirit, those kind of things in the the Hebrew. Uh, You don't have the the power to change his spirit with your spirit. We're all in this battle against death, uh, middle of verse 8. Who has the authority over the day of death? The king ultimately doesn't, as we've already seen throughout Ecclesiastes, God does. Uh, you're in this war. There's no discharge in the, the time of war. Uh, you don't get released from your duty. You're in a battle against death, and you don't get released from that battle until the highest authority releases you. That's God, not the king. And evil will not deliver those who practice it. Uh, so jump in with evil people and you're still not going to rescue you. So all of that is a little bit confusing to me. Uh, maybe confusing is not the right word, but it, it's difficult to say, how do we apply this? Because we don't live under that kind of government. We live in a, a democracy. Here in America, we live in a constituted republic. So, and this is a good, good test case for us to think through how we interpret the scripture, how we apply the scripture. People sometimes come to text and they say, um, this, is, uh, this is relative and they, they are cultural. And then they use that as a, a justification to say, we don't need to submit to that text of scripture. We don't need to obey that because we don't live in that culture and therefore it doesn't apply. Well, the truths of God are, are long lasting. They transcend cultures. And if it's a command of God, we need to submit to it and not just write it off because uh, it doesn't seem to fit our current day. So uh, where we're sure it's a command, we need to apply it all the ways. But at the same time, there are things, there are commands, there are instructions given that take into account the cultural setting. And our, our, our goal, we have to figure out what does this mean for us? We know there are commands given. There are commands given to kings, for instance, um, instructions given to kings that I'm not a king. 
So uh, telling me how to rule over others as a governing authority, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not in, in that governing authority. Now, is there a principle there I can apply? Sure. Anyway, all that to say, uh, we don't live in a, uh, a kingship here in the West. We live according to the rule of law, at least we're supposed to. So what do we do with this text and the instructions given here in that scenario? And, and let, me, let me qualify a little further. Here in America, uh, the president is not king. He may act like he is king. He may, he may give uh, mandates uh, as though he thinks he's king, but, but he's not. We are not obligated to submit uh, to any authoritative decree by a president that is not backed up by the law of the land. And same thing as we go down to uh, more uh, local levels. The governor of your state does not have authority beyond what the law gives him. And, and it's called the executive branch, right? You know this. Go back to, uh, to early civics lessons. Uh, the executive branch doesn't make laws here in America. That's the legislative branch. That's Congress. The executive branch is supposed to execute those laws. So when a governor or a mayor or a president uh, says, you must submit to this, unless he is saying submit to it because Congress has passed a law, he has no legal authority to demand that you submit to his word. He only executes what uh, the law gives him. Now, last year, 2020, uh, this, was, this was a crazy time in so many ways. And early on, when the, uh, the coronavirus was really kicking into high gear, at least that's what we were told, uh, and the, the first lockdowns, shutdowns, uh, whatever you want to call them, the uh, you know, 14 days, 15 days to stop the spread, whatever it was, I forget now. Um, uh, when those were first enacted, um, there was an argument that the Emergency Powers Acts and those kinds of laws gave the president the authority to mandate some of those shutdowns. Now, we can debate, and, and you know, I know there's some legal debate around some of that. Um, if Congress passed a law that said in times of crisis and emergency, the president may enact these certain things, then we are obligated to submit to those. But then the question comes, where does the emergency end? Are we still in a state of emergency? Well, that's what the president or the governors or the mayors have to substantiate. And we certainly have had ample time for Congress to uh, establish laws regulating certain things. So here's the bottom line. Uh, last year, uh, when I was still pastoring, we had a decision to make in, uh, in our church about, you know, do we stop meeting publicly? And then when do we start meeting again? And one of the things we as elders wrestled with was, uh, okay, if the governor has the authority to say you can't meet as a church for a couple of weeks, should we submit to that? And my argument was, even if we don't uh, believe the governor has the authority, wisdom would say maybe it's good since you know the the initial statements were that this thing's going to kill millions and millions of people and uh and it's highly infectious and, and all that maybe wisdom says let's 
let's pull back a little bit and uh, and and see where this is going. We don't want to infect people. Uh, if I were convinced that I could contract a disease and give it to you and it was going to kill you, I wouldn't want to do that. It seems like love says don't don't do that. At the same time, we know we're commanded to to meet together as a church. Uh, so how do we how do we navigate that? So we wrestled through that, and then when it became pretty clear that this was not going to kill millions of people in in a matter of a couple of weeks, and that the science was not uh, supportive of certain, th- I, we just had to wrestle with that. Okay. Do we defy the governor? Does he have the authority to mandate that we don't meet? Where does that authority end? Where does the emergency end? And it seemed to me like at some point we reached a place where Congress had uh, had plenty of time to create laws if they wanted to about all of this. And so we started meetings again sooner than most here in Colorado Springs, at least. And then there was a, uh, a press conference I saw where the governor said, we're going to require masks. And the question is, does he have the right to require those masks? Does the law give him the right to require those masks? And well, there's no law that says he can make us wear masks here in Colorado. And I saw a press conference where he was saying, well, here's how we're going to police it. We're going to go through uh, the, the um, what's it called? The, the health, uh, health organization. Now, it's slipping my mind here. Um, basically, he can enforce it. He said, we're going to use obscenity laws. So if you're in a public place where the health department, that's the word, thank you, the health department is uh, has some authority, then we're going to say if you're not wearing a mask, you're act, acting indecent, not obscenity, sorry, indecency, and we're going to sh- uh, either shut down that place or they have to remove you. So you could see the hoops they had to jump, jump through here in Colorado to enforce this because the government, governor knew he had no law that said he had the right and the power to execute a mandate for masks. So all of that to say, we are supposed to be ruled by law here in the U.S. There is no king. Lex Rex, the law is king. So how do we go about wisely submitting to the government in a place where there is no absolute authority? It's a tough one. Let me show you Romans 13. This is what all the, uh, the Christians have been wrestling with here. Uh, verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Now, of course, there's no dispute there. That's what it says. We have to believe that. But the question is, what is the authority in the U.S.? In your state. Now, if you're in a, a different part of the world, I'd be curious to know what uh, what your government structure is. We are to submit to authorities. That's not in question. That's clear from the text. But what is our authority? Is it the men and women who serve in these functional roles, like governor and any individual congressman or woman? Are they our authority, or is it the law? Do you see the difference? Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. Sounds a lot like Solomon in chapter 8, doesn't it? And those who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. At least that's how it's supposed to be. Do Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For it, that is the governor, is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it, again the government, does not bear the sword for nothing. For it, the government, 
is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection to the government, not only because of wrath, in other words, uh, not only because you don't want to receive the, the, the judgment of the government and of God, but also for conscience sake, because you want your conscience to be free that you are submitting. Uh, for because of this, you pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Now, there's a lot that could be said there. A lot of, we're not, I'm not intending to cover an entire theology of governments and all that here. I'm just trying to get us to wrestle with and to recognize that the governing authority here in the U.S. is the law, the Constitution, and the laws passed by governments. And we are to submit to them. I think that is the plain reading of Romans and the plain reading of, of Ecclesiastes. Uh, but when it comes to individual um, politicians, political entities, we're not required to submit to them. And I think this will help us. Uh, it doesn't solve every problem, but it will help us think through these things so that uh, when we hear mayors, governors, presidents uh, issue their commands, we don't feel guilty if we disobey them we search out the law. What does the law say? And then willingly submit there. And this might help us even in some of the friction we have with, uh, with fellow citizens, family members, and other Christians to say, okay, uh, we all have our different perspectives. Congressmen and women have their perspectives. The president, the, Dr. Fauci, everybody has their perspectives on all these things. But what are we required by the law to do and submit to? I think it matters. Uh, one more thing, and then I'll see if you have any any response. Um, Jesus gave his disciples some instruction on how to deal with governing authorities that uh, maybe you're a little afraid of. Uh, look what he told them in Matthew chapter 10. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He's sending his disciples out among the Jews and the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the priests, he says, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Be shrewd as serpents. When you're out in, in the midst of a, a governing authority that is unjust and seeking to control you illegally, seeking power, that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were micromanagers. Uh, they were usurping authority. Jesus rebuked them harshly for taking uh, taking matters into their, own, into their hands that God had not given them authority over. He says, I'm sending you out among them. Be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, the innocent as doves, I think, is pretty simple. Uh, doves are gentle. Don't be caught up in, in anarchy. It's the same thing that, that uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, right? Don't, don't join in with those who are rebelling against the government. Uh, now, is there a place for that? Is, is, is there a place for um, resisting like, you know, Bonhoeffer and, and Nazi Germany, all that? We, we can talk about that some other time. But generally speaking, we're to be peaceful and not just jump into every group that's, uh, that's wanting to rebel against the governor and the government. Um, generally be innocent and, and be, uh, be gentle with, with those that you disagree with. But what about the uh, shrewd as serpents? I think what he means is know when to pull your head back. You know, snakes know how to get out of the way. When there's a threat coming, they jump in the rocks. They head for the grass. Don't be a fool. Don't take on the governor that has the sword when 
when, when he can chop your head off. Um, don't, that, that'd be foolish. Don't pick fights you can't win. And don't be the kind of person who's always jumping in. Uh, in every generation, forever and ever and ever, as long as there's been governments, there's been rebels, there's been people who don't like it. We don't like a lot of the laws that are passed here. Uh, and I don't. There's a lot of laws I don't like. If they are sinful, truly sinful, then, then I have to obey God, not man. So that's, that's sort of an underlying principle behind all of this. But there's a lot of laws that our government passes that, uh, that, I, that I despise. But if they're not causing me to sin and disobey God, I'm required to submit to them. Uh, but how do, we, how do we navigate all of this in a culture, in a, in a government where we have a say, we have a voice in the laws, we have a voice in voting, there's nothing that violates these principles in, in my mind if we really uh, make a big push to try to uh, elect people who are, who are more solid and principled in, in, their, uh, in their politics. Um, so there's a lot here that, that's hard to kind of unpack, and this is not going to answer everything. It might provoke some things, but at least I want to help us get clear in our mind. The scripture is very clear. We are to submit to governing authorities. We, we are, even when we don't like the laws. But at the same time, we need to be clear here in the U.S. about what our governing authority is. It's not individuals. It's the law at the federal level and at the state level and the local level. So let me see what, uh, what thoughts you have here. Curtis says, oh, here's my goodbye for my wife. Hey, babe. Good morning. Have a good day. Me too. Curtis here says, unless they are wicked, like they try to make abortion a constitutional right. Yes. Yes. So any law that uh, forbids what God commands or commands what God forbids, we are obligated to disobey. So a command, a, a constitutional law that uh, that says women must get abortions, we have to defy, and we should do everything in our power to overturn the uh, the laws that make abortion legal. Uh, I think this is a, a major issue. It's been going on for so long, and there seem to be some cases in the works that uh, could really do some damage to Roe v. Wade. Uh, so we need to be aware of that as Christians and get after it um, and see if we can have some impact there. Uh, Curtis also says, Another issue I've seen is they interpret the Constitution through contemporary lenses and not through the author's intention. Yeah, that's a big debate and battle, isn't it, among uh, uh, politicians these days. Is the Constitution a living document, and uh, how, do we, how do we interpret it? Um, you know, there was a time when precedent was not the driving factor um, uh, in, in deciding legal cases. It wasn't about precedent. It wasn't about what some other decision was that was rendered. It was about what, what does the law say and what are the facts in this particular case. But then evolutionary theory uh, spread to our judicial processes. And if we're all learning and growing and evolving, then the law should evolve as well and our application of the law should evolve as well. And so uh, starting with the Supreme Court on down, they started saying precedent, previous decisions that were, that were made should now play into how a judge and jury decide this case. 
And that sends us in a really bad direction because that means that bad decisions can lead to more bad decisions and all the name of evolution, which is crazy. Um, yeah, law is intended in principle to apply the same way across the board. Any other thoughts? Any other observations, questions? Uh, this may have raised more, <laughs> more strife for you. I hope not. That's not my, uh, not my goal here. But I hear Christians really getting animated and dividing over all the stuff that's going on, the lockdowns, the mandates, all of that. And some of it is just because we disagree. And, and that's okay. We need to learn how to disagree in love and, and hear one another and strive for unity where we can and recognize that we're not going to see everything the same. But some of it comes through confusion because we don't really understand what the law is and what we're required to submit to. And uh, the government, many officials in the government are doing everything they can, it seems like, uh, to overplay their hand, to reach beyond what they actually have the authority to, uh, to require. And we need to be informed citizens. As Christians, it's the right thing to do. Know the law so that we will submit to the law. Um, but not look at any individual as though he or she has unique authority over us. They don't, uh, beyond what the law gives them. So, all right, I'm not seeing any, uh, any other questions or comments, so I'll let you chew on that. Uh, this is Thursday. Have a great Thursday, and uh, we'll come back tomorrow on Friday and look at another portion of Ecclesiastes. Uh, grace and peace from the Lord to you today.